This is Energy of Business Moments with Michael Seip, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their business success into your life and business. Energy of Business Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Michael Seip. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Energy of Business Moments podcast. I am Michael Seip, your host, and today I've got with me Kirk Kinder of Picket Fence Financial. Kirk is a registered investment advisor and owns his own firm. And so today we'd like to talk a little bit about investing and what kind of energy one might have in investing. So, Kirk, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, real quick rundown. I uh, grew up in in Flint, Michigan. Um, so you can always, if you're from Michigan, you can show people where you're from and, and how to get to other places and everything like that. Uh, so after, you know, growing up after high school, went to the Coast Guard Academy. So, you know, a lot of people know West Point, Annapolis Air Force Academy, but we, we're the fourth academy. We're much smaller because the Coast Guard's a very small uh, organization relative to the Army and Navy. Uh, but did you know you do four years there, you get your degree. And my degree was was actually in in history and government. Uh, I had nothing to do with finance. In fact, I, I, I didn't even care about finances. Uh, had no real interest in it. Nothing about financial planning or investing or anything. And uh, what happened was right before you become a senior at the academy, the academy arranges for a car loan. Uh, you can't have a car at the academy until you're a senior. So, you know, I had a car I bought from my aunt. It was a beautiful 65 Buick Skylark convertible and she never drove it. And, you know, I, I bought it from her after mowing yards and delivering papers and things like that. So I had a car, but I took the money anyway because uh, it was like, like 1.2% interest rate, which in the early 90s, I mean, car loans were eight or 9%. So, I mean, you could have taken that money, put it in a checking account and made money. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this money. So took the loan and I didn't know what to do with it and turned to my dad. He didn't know. He was a high school teacher. He was just working for a pension but he had a friend of his who was a teacher at one time, left, became a broker. So introduced me to this guy and, you know, family friends still, still is a family friend. But, you know, he, he was a broker. So he ended up selling me some life insurance products and an annuity product. Uh, life insurance product, you couldn't, it wouldn't even cover in time of war. And not that you would think Coast Guard in wartime, but, you know, we do become part of the Navy if there's a war. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I got sold some different products. And the only thing I did know about money, my grandfather taught me, you'll never spend more than you make and save at least 10% of your pay. So I was committed to doing that. And I figured if I'm doing that, everything's going to work out fine. So graduated academy. I got stationed in Hawaii. I just kept sending this guy money every single month back to Michigan uh, to, you know, to put into the investments he put the, developed for me. Kept doing that, kept doing that. We started getting the later 90s when the tech returns, you know, tech stocks were doing fantastic and started to wonder like, you know, what have, what have I made of my money? You know, I would get my statements and just file them away and 
Hey, I'm saving. I'm doing what I need to do. It's all going to work out. Pulled out the old statements, sharpened up the pencil, got the calculator out, figured out I'd paid as much in commissions as I had made on my account. So, you know, at that point, I'm like, well, whose retirement am I saving for here? His or mine? So that sort of opened up Pandora's box, even though I didn't have any kind of real interest in, in investing in financial planning. Uh, while I was still active duty, I, I just started consuming everything I could on finances and actually did the certified financial planner designation uh, criteria, the education part of it while I was still active duty. And then um, once I got off of active duty, I went to work for a company uh, I was in DC my last tour and there was a company in Alexandria, Virginia called the Motley Fool. I don't know if you ever heard of the Motley Fool, but sure have. Um, yeah, I got to know the, the brothers that founded it and, and some of the folks there. And, and um, they actually sponsored me to do a bike ride across America, um, which was kind of what, what I did as sort of getting out of the Coast Guard, took that time and rode across America. And I would call into their radio show. They had a radio show at the time. I'd call in from Missoula, Montana, and, you know, places south, Pierre, South Dakota, all this stuff, just to talk to them. Uh, but I worked there for a couple of years. And uh, at the time, the, the Motley Fool was just purely educational. Uh, they were prohibited by the SEC of giving any kind of individual advice. And my job, one of my jobs was to be charged of customer service. So we would have people that would write us. And typically, we could send them some articles on different financial topics. And here, here you go. Here's some information you might like. But you know, people are like, look, I don't have time for this. Could you just tell me what to do? And we, we couldn't do it. And it, we'd see it all the time. And I just knew that these folks were probably going to walk off and, and go talk to a broker just like, like I had. So uh, at that point, I, I, I left the Motley Fool and looked to work at a firm. Um, and I wanted to be a fee-only financial planning firm. No commissions, anything like that, and happened to latch on with a firm down in Florida. So uh, we moved from the DC area down to Florida for about four years, uh, worked there. Uh, my wife's from the Baltimore area. So after about four years of the heat, and we were there that year in 05, and they had you know seven or eight hurricanes in a two-month period. She's like, let's get out of here, and I've had enough. So uh, in, in 06, we moved back up to this area, up to the Baltimore area. And, and I started my own firm at that point. I just figured I didn't want to go work for another firm because, you know, I kind of had that entre entrepreneurial bug. I wanted to have my own firm at some point. So I didn't really think I'm not going to go work for a firm and then start my own. It's, there's always complications with that. So I just started my own firm at that point. So, uh, and then, um, you know, Picket Fence is a, it's again, a fee only Financial planning firm, no commissions, anything like that. It's a very unique way to practice. There's there's not a lot of firms in the United States that do that. Uh, most firms get some form of compensation from commissions. We get nothing from it. So it's a very unique way to practice. And, and we have to act as a fiduciary for our clients. So we have to put their interest first. So it's a very unique way to practice. But, you know, there's good things and bad things when you're unique. So, yeah, great. Great story and, and very interesting from the perspective of, you know, you did what you were told to do from an investment perspective. You took some of your money from that starter loan and invested it. And then you found out, well, I'm not making a great return. What's going on here? Yeah. Right? And so that kind of launched you into this other sort of 
taking it on myself kind of role, which a lot of entrepreneurs do do. So what would you say, since there are other registered investment advisors out there, and obviously the brokers do, that, that makes your investment strategy unique? Well, I, you know, I think, well, it's a way we practice at first. So that's a very unique way. Um, and, and we're not just asset managers. I'll do hourly consulting for clients as well. So if people just have a modular issue or, or something popping up, or they just want to make sure they're okay for retirement, I can do that just strictly on an hourly basis. Um, the other, I mean, I guess if you're going to get into investment strategies, what works is I, I've always kind of believed, you know, you just, you got to have a, a good methodology, follow the methodology, you know, keep the emotions out, which right now with what we're going through, there's a lot of emotions out there. Uh, but, but then I also have a process to try to protect on the downside. So, you know, I've always used, uh, you know, different moving averages and, and investor sentiment, stuff like that to look, start to liquidate equity positions and go to short-term bonds, cash, you know, safe things. So, so yeah, we've been phasing out here uh, pretty much this whole year. Uh, so, it, you know, while everything's ugly, we've been able to kind of navigate it pretty well. And, and it worked back in, in 08 as, as well. So, uh, you know, when things kick back up, you, you typically get invested and, but, you know, just got to make sure you have something there to sort of protect on the downside. Yeah. Well, that's great. And uh, for a lot of people who are worried about their investments, they may not sleep at night. So it sounds like with your strategy and your way of doing it, that you're sleeping well at night. So that's a good thing. Yeah. But, I, I think too, you know, in running a business, you know, getting up and getting started with picket fence, you know, what sometimes we have some really big challenges and we might actually have a, a low moment where we're pretty, you know, depressed or we, we're just we're just not having a lot of energy about moving forward. So could you share with us and our listeners a little bit about when you might have had something like that in getting your business going? Yeah, really it it did start uh, right from the from the beginning, as I mentioned, you know, we moved up here, uh, and I just started my firm. And you know, financial planning is a very relationship business. You know, most planners who do well have got various relationships in the community that feed them leads and and clients. I came up and I didn't know anybody outside my wife's family and a few of her friends, and. Uh, so it really was a, a slog getting going um, and getting to the point because, you know, not only did, was I not connected with a lot of people here, but, you know, it was, it's a small firm. Nobody had heard of Picket Fence Financial. So th this was just, you know, you've got the Madoff thing going on and all of that. And, and so um, it, it was very difficult not having some brand recognition and also just not knowing a lot of people. So, you know, it was really the first two years were probably the hardest for me. You know, you set business goals and what you're going to do. And I get to the end of the year and I, like, I went not even close to what I got the first, uh, uh, you know, like, and it was, it was really frustrating to get going. Uh, you know, it's a fortune just kept with it. And, you know, uh, I think one thing that helped me a lot was not focusing really at all on the final goals. Like, okay, I, revenue goals. I didn't focus on any of that. I said, all right, what, it was the four disciplines of execution was a book I read and said, focus on the activities that could lead to that. And that's really all you can do. So if you're doing the activities, you have to believe at some point you'll start to see the results. And, and that's pretty much what did it. Just changing that mindset to just focus on my activities, 
not worrying about the big numbers at the end. And it seemed like if every day I was checking my to-do box of what I needed to do, it started to started to see some see the light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, to be able to do that sort of discipline of whatever the activity is that's going to grow your business, don't look at the bottom line just yet when you're starting out. Just keep keep plugging away, and uh, and eventually over time it'll work out now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So on the flip side, sometimes business is an absolute dream and wonderful to the point we develop a passion for our business or we might be ecstatic about something that happens or grateful for something that has developed maybe we didn't expect what's an example or time when you had something wonderful happen a sort of a high energy moment for you and your business yeah it, again you have several of these you know throughout your your career and in fact when i talk to somebody who's just starting in business i tell them you know there's going to be moments where you feel like uh you, you know you've got total control of the world, you know, the world's your oyster. And then you've got moments where you feel like you've made the biggest mistake of your life and ruined the financial well-being for your family. And I said, a lot of times those two thoughts can come to, you know, together within an hour of each other. Um, I think, you know, I think where I really felt great one time is I was building things up and, and finally getting the point, I, I, um, we had a, a staff meeting and I just looked around and, and then we had, you know, five people it's still a small firm but i had five people and i just took a second to think you know i i'm at the point where i'm helping five people uh build the careers and and have a livelihood and uh i, I think that's probably been the one moment where i was like this is it really has kind of come to fruition and i i, I took a moment to step back from the day to day to look at really where we were and where I'd started from. And, and that kind of made me feel really, really good just to know that I could get to that point and, uh, you know, start to see it all come together and start to build out. Yeah. Once you get to that point of maturity in your business where you're taking care of your people, um, it creates a sense of fulfillment. What I'm hearing you say, how, how true is that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it changes the, you know, rather than just focused on me working, now you have to try to develop other people and, and bring them along. And uh, it's a lot more ch it's challenging, uh, but it's a different kind of challenge. And, and I guess the good thing is it shows that the, the business is growing. So that's the other beautiful thing about it. Right. Well, a lot of businesses, as you've noticed today, have a challenge with keeping people on payroll. They're leaving and going somewhere else. How important it is to you to, to keep that culture within your own company where people don't leave? Yeah, it's it, it, it's crucial, and and I've had problems with that. I just recently had uh, a planner. She came to me. She was in the medical field, but had an interest in finance, and and basically, I've worked with her. She worked in the tax side of our business for a couple of years. Uh, brought her on as a para planner. And then this year she finally kind of got the CFP fully qualified and she was gonna, you know, walk on her own. And uh, I think with, with the markets doing what they were and finally she didn't have kind of that safety net of me looking over everything she was doing. Uh, she just, the, the anxiety of it, you know, advising people on their life savings, it was too much, uh, but I put, essentially five to six years of, of mentoring and growing and teaching and out she went and went back to her old 
career in the, in the medical field. Um, so it's really hard. You, I, I think what you, you've got to try to do is show them a path forward, uh, show them, you know, where they could, where they could get to. And, uh, and you have to continually tell them the grass isn't always greener on the, on the other side either. Uh, you know, even if they were to leave for a higher paying job, which is a problem a lot of people have right now, uh, it, it, it's, it's not the same. You, you have to kind of, you've got to look at the bigger picture. You have to look at what's my final path. What, what could I do here growth wise, as opposed to somewhere else? I mean, with a smaller firm, you can do a lot more than if you end up in a, at a big place, it's got a regiment, and, you know, bureaucracy, so you, you really have to show people the path forward. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Yeah, great. Good good advice there, Kirk. So uh, this we get to the favorite part of my uh, interview. The question is, if you could meet anybody, deceased or living, who would that be and why? Yeah, for me, it's it would be Thomas Jefferson. And, and I think, you know, I, I mentioned I was a history and government major at the academy. So I've always been enthralled with history and without a doubt, I, I just think he's probably the biggest historical figure in my thinking. And, and certainly you could argue for the country as well. So, uh, and a bro, just so brilliant in so many different fields and just amazing when you think of what he's accomplished. Uh, so that, that's somebody I would just love to, yeah, have dinner with him and, and sit down with him and, and really pick his brain. I, I, I think that would just be an amazing opportunity. Yeah, no, that's a very interesting pick there. And when you talk about his brilliance, obviously the diversity he had in terms of what he learned and what he was exposed to and what he had a curiosity for. Yes. And, and that truly makes one a sort of a Renaissance person where they have that insatiable curiosity to learn more than just what they are might be their profession or might be their talent. So uh, that's a great one. Thanks for yeah. sharing that one. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, Kirk, we've enjoyed very much having you on the show. Why don't you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you and about your business? Okay. Well, you can, you can always go to you know, picketfencefinancial.com if you want to view our website. Uh, but I do have a, a blog and podcast where I try to just put out educational information and I call it saving yourself from wallstreet.com. So uh, again, our approach is always to, to try to help people escape wall streets, you know, commission-based uh, practices. So what we do there is just try to give really good advice, basic money advice for folks to, to help them out. So those are probably the two best places to, to locate me. Great. Well, I love the free service. You know, it's always a good thing to help out people just in general. And so you're right. The commission-based structure can be pretty daunting and having an alternative to that and having some good information about the finances and investments, a great thing to put out. So thanks for doing that. All right. Well, Kirk, thank you very much for being on the show today. I enjoyed talking with you very much and wish you the best. Okay. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for listening to Energy of Business Moments with your host, Michael Seip. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.